Hey, welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out the hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it out. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. I know the spirits moved because that bumper should have made me cry, but it did. Hey, open your Bibles to Isaiah 43. Ooh, we're having some church today. I'm going to tell you what, man, it's going to be good. Isaiah 43, and, and we say this every week, we love the Bible app, and it's a, it's a great app that honestly has devotions, it has uh, so many translations, but if you click on events, go to more, or click on more, go to events, uh, all of the notes and scriptures, except for the video I'm going to post, is going to be there. But we do have physical Bibles you can grab on your way out at our info center that you can have there also. If you're watching online, hey, I love that you're here, but also, hey, I want to know that you're here, so can you do me a favor? Put in the comments, hey, Life Church, so glad you're here. Like, put some, put some amens in there. I would love that too. Like, just, just, just interact with us. And I love that you guys are here as we are continuing in this series called The Chosen. We're actually, Pastor Sean was like, hey, you should watch The Chosen. And at first I was like, uh, nah, I'm, okay. I'm good. Because this, can we be real? For some of us who've been Christians for a while, some of the Christian entertainment's been a, a little corny, you know. Some of us were like, okay, yeah, I, I'm not going to show my non-believer friend that movie. Yeah, they're going to be like, yeah. But he was like, no, no, bro, this is good. It's like really good. And I just want to warn you, you're probably going to cry. And so we, sure enough, Shelby and I put on episode one. And about three quarters into the episode, I kind of look at Shelby and I go, you know, pastor's getting older, you know, maybe he cries a lot more now. Oh, you know what? Maybe he's fasting. He could be fasting. You know, I know sometimes when I'm fasting, I get a little more emotional because I, I, didn't, I didn't cry at anything until Jesus showed up. And I was like, and then when Jesus called, not her Lilith, called her Mary, and then says, I mean, just like this is us, says to her what her father said as a kid, I'm like, you better stop it, Jesus. Like, and, and just like him, like every episode, I've cried at something. And I have done cries where it's like, like it's been that kind of cry. It's just, I love it. It's a great show. And, and, you know, listen, I agree with what Pastor said. I don't think it's a perfect show, but there is one thing I have heard that I disagree with. And some people are like, yeah, this show is keeping people from reading the Bible. And I disagree. I think this show has made me want to read the Bible more because they are highlighting like customs and their culture and things that maybe I would read and just overlook. Like things like we find in episode two where they talk about the Shabbat. And I want to talk about that in a message I'm calling the key ingredient. Can we pray? Lord, thank you so much for your presence. And Lord, I pray that every person in here would not leave this room without experiencing it too. So Lord, as we go in your word, I pray that it would not fall in deaf ears. I pray against distractions. I pray against any cell phones ringing, babies crying, because I believe this is a word that people need to hear because this word needs to not stay here and need to go out into this world. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. 
So what makes like a key ingredient the main ingredient? Like, like we ever asked that question, like, how do you know you're missing a key ingredient? Well, I guess you find out when something happens and you're like, yep, that might've been the key ingredient. Like for example, I love wearing Vans. Like they're my favorite shoe. I love the authentic Vans and I, I think they're comfortable, but here's the reality. I'm not gonna go f- play football, especially in these ones, no way, or go ice skating in Vans because I'm gonna slip and fall because it's missing a key ingredient. It's missing those cleats. It's missing that blade. And I found out like real quick how much these don't work on icy situations because I was taking my do- uh, dog, Dr. Leo Marvin, on a walk and, and, and it was, you know, the, the snow's starting to melt and it's dark. But as the snow is melting, it's still kind of cold. I see that some of the melting turns into ice. And I wasn't paying attention. All of a sudden, boom, I slip and I fall. And in that moment, I realized maybe I didn't name this dog the right name. Because he did nothing doctorly in those moments. He didn't check my pulse. He didn't, he didn't you know, check my breathing. He didn't say helps on the way. In fact, he did the opposite. Of that. As I'm on the ground, I just feel a tug on my arm. He's like, let's go, bro. Come on. Like, I still got places to go. And I'm like, bro, I just fell. Like, seriously. So I found out that day, listen, if there's some ice on the ground, I got to watch what kind of shoes I have. Maybe you bake a chocolate cake and you forget sugar. That's a key ingredient you're going to find out real quick. Kids are going to be like, wait a minute, why'd you put chocolate on a biscuit? Like, it's, well, it's a key ingredient in it. Or maybe, you know, maybe you have a kid who gets birthday present money and does this. My kid, Kennedy, she got some birthday present money one time, and she's like, Dad, can I go shopping? I was like, sure, we can go shopping. I'm fine. So I take her to the store. She grabs a shopping cart. She's walking around. She's picking things. She's looking at things. You know, she knows how much she has, and so she looks, and, you know, she puts some things away, puts some things in the cart. She goes to the self-checkout. She scans herself, loves it, puts certain things in certain bags and other bags, and then all of a sudden, when she's funny, she looks at me and goes, Okay, your turn. I go, my turn? She goes, yeah, you got to pay for it. I go, no, I don't. We came here because you had birthday money that you wanted to spend. And she goes, yeah, I forgot it. I go, bro, that's like the ingredient to buying things. Like you have to have money. And so again, the idea was there. The desire is there, but it was missing a key ingredient. And in the second episode of The Chosen, we see all the Israelites are preparing for the Shabbat. And the Shabbat is the Jewish day of rest. It's the Sabbath where they observe from Friday night to Saturday night. And we find this in Genesis chapter two, which says on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all his work. And then God also writes in the 10 commandments in Exodus 20, he says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and you shall do all the work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. On it, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your towns. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. 
So in episode two, we see people preparing for this ritual of rest, a ritual that some of the characters, they've done all their life. They've done it week after week after week and after week. I mean, you know, again, the Jewish day, it's not just resting. They prepare the bread. They prepare the wine. They invite the guests. They remember the prayers. And they're doing this week after week after week. And then in the episode, we get four points of view. We see Matthew who was because of his occupation is shunned by his father. And when he attempts to go back home for Shabbat, he sees his family has already started. And instead of knocking and trying to go in, he turns around and just eats in the alley by himself. Then we have Simon, who has already made a plan to work on Shabbat. And he tells his wife and his brother, yep, I'm going to go to work. You know, hey, listen, you know what? We do this all the time. You know, what's wrong with just missing one Weak. He didn't see the big deal in it. Then we have Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee and has done so many Shabbats, he's probably lost count of it. But on this particular Shabbat, Nicodemus' wife has invited other Pharisees to do Shabbat with him because he's from a different region. And so the people are coming in and they're so excited that I get to do Shabbat with Nicodemus. In fact, there's one scene where a man says to his wife, hey, let's try to get as close as we can to him. And in that, He's, you know, because probably prayers are memorized. Everything is in a perfect order. The food's probably so great and divine. And then we have Mary, a woman who just recently was redeemed by a person whose name she's forgotten. She just didn't remember it. And she admits that this is her first Shabbat in a long time. And so she's trying to prepare based off of memory and hopes that she doesn't miss anything. And she invites people who admit also that they've never been invited before to a Shabbat and asks them, if anything goes wrong, please let me know. Of those four scenarios, which one do you think Jesus shows up to? Well, let's find out. Can't remember the last time I was invited to a Shabbat dinner. Me never. You've never been to Shabbat? Of course I've been to one, been to lots, just never got invited. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the extra seat for? Oh, uh, for Elijah, am I right? I, I remember my mother always setting an extra place for Elijah. That's only for Passover. Just once a year it's said. Oh. Well, when Seder comes, I'll have a head start on setting up. Like I said, you are very popular. Or it's a Pharisee here to shut us down for letting you be here. Hello, Mary. Hello. It's good to see you. Yes. Yes. So why Mary? Like, why not the other three? I mean, didn't he see Matthew and his situation, Nicodemus and all the hard work he's done? Did he not see how important Simon's job was? Why Mary? Because I think in this scenario and in this episode, you see three people who have done Shabbat so many times and they were doing things for God while missing the key ingredient, which is God. Which brings up the question, are we doing things for God without God? I mean, imagine if Matthew did things with God. Maybe he would have been bold enough to go and, and uh, uh, confront his dad and apologize. I wonder if Simon, 
if maybe he was doing, the reason he wanted to skip is he's been doing things for God so long that he's like, oh my gosh, we have to do this again? Another Sabbath? Another Shabbat? Oh my, I mean, I'm so tired of doing these things for God. And even Nicodemus, you know, and the other Pharisees, maybe they've been doing things so much for God that their focus was like, I don't really care about God. I want to get to know that guy. I want to be close to that guy. And they focused and they missed the biggest thing, and that is God himself. And in the book of Isaiah, we see Isaiah talk about this. So in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 1, he says, But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you, says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Then verse 2, and I want to kind of focus on this. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not burn up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia and Shabbat in your place. And so we read that God wants to be with us through everything. He's saying through the waters, I want to be with you. Through the fire, I want to be with you. You're not going to drown because I want to be with you. And I think this is important because maybe for some of us, we've been looking at our heavenly father like our earthly father. And we've gotten to this place where he said, you know, I want to do things for God in hopes to make him happy in hopes to make him proud and to get his approval. If I do things for God, then maybe he'll see that I'm dedicated and he'll see that I'm completing tasks for him. And maybe I'll have a secure right standing with him because I'm doing things for him. But the reality is that's not how God operates. God wants us to do things with him. And that's why even in the command, in the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, verse 10, it says, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. He even says on the Sabbath, I want to be with you. I don't want you to do it for me. I want you to do it with me. So even while we're resting, he wants us to rest with him. And the key ingredient in any form of worship or command needs to be with him. Now, I understand this is a hard task to do. I mean, especially day after day, week after week. I mean, how can we get to this place where we go away from doing things for him and staying in doing things with him? Well, as I'm studying this, God reminded me of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So 1 Corinthians 13, I'm just going to read verse 13, but I would love for you to stay in 1 Corinthians 13 for something I'm going to do later. In verse thir- uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, Three things will last forever. Faith hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So if you're taking notes, there are three key ingredients to doing all things with God. Number one is faith. Now faith needs to be described as abiding trust in God and in his promises. So faith is a lasting trust in him and in his promises. And that alone, I mean, it could be really hard to do without him. Like faith is hard to do for him, but it's a lot easier to do with him. And we even see in the book of James, he talks about this in James chapter two, verse 14 says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, 
If you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions. So there he's showing, when you just say you have faith, it's just a title. I have faith for God, but there's something happens when you have faith with God. It says, can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, (laughs) have a good day, stay warm, eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? You see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. He's saying when you have a faith with God, it will produce good deeds. Good deeds will come out of us because we're doing faith with him and not for him. Now, some may argue, well, some people have faith and other people have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have any good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. See, because faith produces good deeds when you walk in faith right. You say you have faith, for you believe there's one God. Good for you! (laughs) Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? So see, faith is a component that we have to do with them, because think about it. When we have faith for him and we read the Bible, it's, it gets hard because here's the reality. There's some things in this word that's not going to make logical sense. And it's, that's what makes it a powerful word. I'm not going to logically try to come up with a way of going, okay, Jesus died. He was put in a tomb. And then three days later, he came back to, to life. Where's the science in that? There's no, there's no science in that. It's a miracle. It's powerful. It's real. And we have to have faith. We got to get to the, we have to stop getting to this place with the word going, is that a parable? No. It's God doing crazy things because he's God and he could do all things. And I'm going to have a faith when I read the word. No, no, we can clap about that. It's okay. We don't have to golf clap the Bible. That's great. But that's what he's saying. Read this word and go, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Thank God that I have a God who doesn't make sense all the time. I mean, think about doing worship without faith. Like we're singing to him, but we're like, like I heard a friend of mine say, you know, sometimes you guys just look like you're dancing to like nobody. He just, he doesn't have faith yet. That's fine. But when you have faith, you believe that God is in the place because the word says when two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. So my faith tells me he's here right now. He's here in this place and I'm not going to ignore him or deny him. In my prayer time, without faith, I mean, am I talking to just this, the wall? Am I, no, I'm talking to a God who hears me, who cares about me, who understands but is with me. That's why I'm constantly going to him because I believe he's with me. So that faith is so important that we do faith with him because when we do faith with him, it's powerful and it's lasting. That's why Hebrews says it's impossible to please him without it. It's an ingredient that we need in our lives. Here's number two, hope. Hope in the Greek is elipis, which means confident expectation. I don't know about you, but I've said, I hope so, not confidently. I hope that works. And that's the reality is when we do hope for God, that hope is fingers crossed, really going, I hope this works, you know, and that's that different kind of hope. But, but the hope with God is confident. 
That hope with God is going, I'm not going to fear because he is here. I have a hope and I have a belief that he can and will do all things. That is my hope and that is my faith and I'm not turning my back on it. Yes, I don't, it's not the timeline I wanted, but I don't live in my timeline anymore. I live in the hope with him that he can do things that I can't see or I have a hard time believing. And in Romans 8, Paul talks about how the Holy Spirit strengthens us in our weakness and gives us confident hope to be patient and to look forward to what God has for us. The Holy Spirit was given to us so that we could have confident hope with him. And Jesus says it in John chapter 16. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's for your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come on you. But if I go... I will send him to you. The Holy Spirit is just another example of God wanting to do stuff with us. To the point he says, I want the Holy Spirit on you and to be with you and to be that helper and to be that counselor and to guide you and to compel you and to remind you of how real and how powerful I am. Because he wants you to have that confident hope. All we have to do is listen and obey. Here's number three. Love, but a love with God is an unselfish love. It's an unselfish love for others growing out of God's love for me. And I know we can look at love and go, you know what? I think I could do love for God. Let me just be real with you. I'm good at loving. I don't know if you know that about me. I'm a good lover. I'm good at loving. It's just my thing. I love love. I know some of you guys are getting, mm, come on, we got kids in here. Watch it. Anyways. I'm good at love. I'm good at it. But here's the difference between our love and God's love. Because God's love, well, God is love. It says it in 1 John 4, 8. Now I want you to go back to 1 Corinthians 13. Here's the difference between our love and God's love. Verse 4 says it. Love is patient. Again, God is love. It's patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own ways. It's not irritable. It doesn't keep record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. See, the difference between our love and God's love is our love is temporary. Let's be honest. We can lose patience in love. We, our love is circumstantial. That there's times that we do want justice in certain things and we let love take the back seat, but God's love is constant. That's why it's the word is is there. It doesn't say love maybe, love could be. No, love is. And because I am love, I am in all these things. So when we do God's love with him, guess what? We get to have that love moving through us. And we get to produce out that love. A love for some people, it just doesn't make sense. Why are you loving like that? Why are you acting like that? Why are you so loving? It doesn't, it, you know, it actually is coming off a little fake. It doesn't seem natural exactly. It's supernatural. It's a love that I can't produce, but he can. And so I'm going to walk in love with him. So these three things will last forever, faith hope and love. They're eternal because God's eternal. And so he's saying to do all things with me, you need to walk in eternal things that I've given to you. And those are key ingredients in doing everything with God. It's more than just titles. 
It's more than just saying, I have it, but you're allowing God to produce it out of you. I want to close with this. I want to close with a scripture that at some point in my faith, I didn't like it. I'm going to be honest. There are some verses in the Bible that I looked, I go, nope, I'm going to skip that one. And I wish this verse like came from Paul, because then I could go on that train of like, you know, I don't think Paul was hearing God. I could do that. Or I wish this verse was in the Old Testament, because then I could say, I don't believe in the Old Testament anymore. I'm a new guy, old law, new redemption. That's where I'm living. I wish this verse, but this verse, this verse actually came out of the mouth of Jesus. And this verse is, comes from Matthew chapter 7. Let's finish off the Sermon on the Mountain, verse 22. He says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? You hear, you hear what's happening? Didn't we do these things for you? Then verse 23 says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. I hated this verse because for me, I love doing things for God. I love doing things for my other Christian believers. I love doing things. And, and man, if I could get to a point where I can prophesy for God and cast out demons for God and do miracles for God, I mean, that's top shelf stuff. I want to do that. But then the scripture says, Get away from me. I never knew you. I wasn't intimate with you because you just did things in my name and not with me. And that's what he's saying. Church, I don't want you to go another day without doing things with God. He wants you to take you places and he wants you to take you to places where people don't know him and they get to see him living with you and through you. And God wants to take you places in your faith where you're like, I didn't know that he could be this real in my life. But as soon as I stopped doing things for God and started doing things with God, it transformed me. It changed me. It made me into a person I didn't think I was capable of being because I stopped doing things my way. I started doing things his way. And for some of us, we may look at that because we've been doing that our whole lives. Pastor, I'm sorry, but that's all I know. I'm a for God person. And maybe we'll have this reaction like the disciples in Mark chapter 10, where Jesus tells them, you know what? It's gonna be easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich person to go to heaven. They're like, what? Like even to the point in verse 26, the disciples were astounded. Then who in the world's gonna be saved? I think that was Peter. I'm just gonna be honest. He was a pretty bold guy. Who in the world is going to be saved? He's saying, I thought we were doing things for you. And then Jesus looks at them intently and says, humanly speaking, it is impossible. So he's saying, I know you don't want to listen to Pastor Dallas. I kind of like the for God things, but he's saying that is impossible. But not with God. Everything is possible with God. I mean, come on. Everything is possible with God? Yes. And so I believe that's why Jesus came to Mary's house. 
I love that she said, oh, I'm leaving a room for Elijah. But you see in the scriptures all the time, when Jesus says, who do they say I am? Well, some say you're Elijah. So Jesus left room for Elijah. When she heard the knock, she didn't say, go away. But she went and answered it. And I didn't show it in the clip, but you can see it in the episode. When Jesus asked to come in, she said, yes, please come in. Because she wanted to do things with God. And I believe today, yes, today. I know some of you are like, can I wait till tomorrow? I think it's going to happen today. God's going to say, hey, if you make room and you answer my call and you welcome me in, watch out. I'm going to start doing impossible things in your life. Can I pray with you? You know, an impossible thing I see in the Bible is salvation. Like, it doesn't make sense because we are, we were born in sin. We have sin. Sin's all over us. And God is a holy God and he's separate from us, but he loved us so much that he did something selfless. He gave us his one and only son. And he did something impossible. He did something that is so hard that he said, you know what, I'm going to live a sinless life, but I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to absorb all the sins to the point where I'm going to be on the cross and go, God, why have you forsaken me? Because in that moment, he had to turn his back because he took all the sin. And, I, and I'm thankful that it didn't just stop there. That he didn't just take the sin, but he overcame it like he overcame death. And he did that so that we can be right standing with God. So with everyone head, bowed, eyes closed, if you're in here and you're saying, you know what? I want to be with God. I want to have a relationship with him. I want him to be my Lord and my Savior. Lord, I mean, I want to give him control. I want his ways to be my way. And Savior meaning I'm not going to allow guilt and shame in my past to keep me going forward with God. We're going to do one of two things. The moment just going to have you raise your hand, look at me. And then I'm going to say, thank you. You're going to put your hand down. Then as a church together, we're going to say a prayer. A prayer that I just feel like God's going to put on my heart. But it's not, a, it's not a scriptural prayer. I mean, a structural prayer. It's just a prayer that if you believe it and you say it, God says you are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has begun. So with everyone head, bowed, eyes closed, because I want to have a one-on-one -on -one moment with you. And I want you to have a one-on-one -on -one moment with God. If that's you and you're saying, I don't have a relationship with him, but I want to have a relationship with him today. Can I just have you raise your hand real quick? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yep, I see that hand, thank you. Yep, I see that hand, I see that hand, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love it. Thank you for your boldness. Thank you for the reality. Thank you that I need more than just church. I need more than doing things for God. I need a relationship with him. Anyone else? Thank you. All right, church, let's say this prayer together. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Please forgive me of all my sins. Come into my life. Change me. Make me new. Be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer for the first time, here's the thing. We love you. We're so proud of you. And we want to help you because I, that's just step one of what we call our Jesus journey. In fact, if you have no plans 
afterwards because reality check, our team's not in the Super Bowl. So if you have no plans during second service, we're actually doing a class called Foundations. And Foundations is a class to help you on your Jesus journey, to give you some of those things to just help you grow in your faith and have a foundational faith. But if you aren't free, here's the thing. I'll, I'll give you a quick crash course. One, we'd love to give you a Bible. We'd love for you to download the Bible app. You need to understand that prayer needs to be continual, it needs to be constant, but it needs to be real. He doesn't need scripts, he needs you. And you need to be a part of a church community. I say this every week. This is a church for anybody and will always be a church for anybody, but we're not a church for everybody. But don't let that be the reason that you go, well, I'm not going to church anymore. <laughs> There's too many good churches in our city for that to happen. But God wants you in a community that will help you grow in your faith. So if you're saying, you know what, this isn't for me. I mean, you're kind of a little loud. I just didn't like it. So I'm going to try not. Cool. I'll show you a church to go to. I'll tell you a church that will be great for you. But if you're saying, no, I want to make this my church, then I want you to be a part of this community. And what I love is we do things beyond Sunday. Mondays, we have a women's Bible study. Tuesdays, we have a men's Bible study here on site. And, I, and we're starting a women's Bible study offsite. Wednesday, we have stuff for you, your youth, your sixth through 12th graders. We're there not just playing games. In fact, they don't play games. They're learning about the Bible and they're talking about it and they're growing in a community that is fantastic. I am so proud of what our youth ministry is doing because it's growing, not just in numbers, but in health and spiritual health. And then we have a young adults ministry that in Jesus' name is gonna be every week soon. Sorry to tell you that. I just want it to happen, I just do. But right now it's every other week where they're meeting here, they're getting in the Bible, but they're getting in community. So we have these options. We have more on our website that I just think that you need to be connected with as you're growing in your faith. Can I pray with you one more time? Maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor, that's me. I'm, I've been a for God person for most of my life. And I want today to be the day that I kill that. And I start walking in the power and the promise of doing all things with him. If that's you, I want you to boldly lift your hand so I can pray with you and pray over to you, Lord. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for their bravery to say, I, I don't want people to, I don't want to be this for God person anymore. I want to do everything with him. I want him to move through me and produce things out of me. And I pray Jesus because of that, Lord, lives are going to be changed. Just like people were saved through Peter's shadow, people are going to give their lives to you because of what you are doing in these people and through these people. So Lord, I pray that you would give them strength. Lord, you would give them clarity and you give them direction. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Follow our other podcasts so you can be updated when new episodes are released. We have a wide variety of podcasts to choose from. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week.